reading this morning comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. The empty tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon and Peter, Simon Peter and the other disciples, and one, the one Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was lying still in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said to him, sir, you, I, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her simply, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your father, to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Good morning. Isn't it a beautiful day today? Beautiful in so, so, so many ways. Uh, it's great to be able to welcome you to Bethel this morning, especially if you um, are visiting us or, or new to us, or just if this is the first time you've been able to come in a long time, it is great to see you and great to be able to welcome you today. Uh, also great to have the, the baptism open and full, uh, and great to be celebrating with Liz and Liz, just so if it wasn't complicated enough, two Liz's, uh, this, this step today. Um, we're really proud of you and uh, thrilled to celebrate with you. Uh, let's just pray as we come to God's Word today. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you want us to know you. You don't want us just to know what you did. You want us to know what you think. And you want us to know what you're doing and what you're doing right now. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. Thank you so much, Lord, on a day like today that we can gather freely and openly without fear of, of arrest or harassment and open your word together and invite you by your Holy Spirit to speak to us, Lord. And so we do that right now. We pray, Lord, that into our hearts and lives, you might speak, you might move, you might minister. Lord, help us to encounter you, the risen, living Lord Jesus today. And Lord, might we be changed by the encounter. Might we leave this place different because we've spent this time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you saw the um, story of... Uh, I guess it was probably a couple of weeks ago now, but there were some protests happening in New Zealand, and a whole group of people were gathering outside government buildings, and they were trying to work out how to disperse this massive crowd of people. Did people see this story? No? And so they decided what they would do is that they'd choose certain songs to play on repeat, and just hope that having certain songs playing over and over might encourage people to go home. So you might not be happy with the choices of songs, but one was Let It Go from Frozen. I don't think I can listen to it once more, let alone over and over. You'd really want to protest, wouldn't you? Apparently, I'm sorry, Barry Manilow's Greatest Hits was played. I'm sorry. Any Celine Dion fans in? My heart would go on and on and on and on and on. And there was a little tweet from James Blunt saying, if that doesn't work, you can use my song, You're Beautiful. And they did. <laughs> they did use it. I've got no idea which was the most successful in sending people home. But you get to those points in your life where it feels a little bit like a stuck record. Feels a little bit like same old, same old. It's great when the weekend comes, but then the alarm goes off on Monday morning and it all starts again. Or you feel stuck in a place with people. You'd love to feel differently about them. You'd love to be at ease with them, but, you, but there's that feeling there. There's that uh, issue. There's that trouble between you, and you feel like you're, you're stuck. Or maybe for some of us today, it's a different kind of stuck. Maybe you feel stuck in your relationship with God, and your prayer life has been a stuck record. I'm sorry. Where are you? Help me, over and over and over. We get stuck at so many places, don't we, in our lives. As, uh, as I read the Easter story, I'm, I'm amazed just at Jesus' patience at the empty tomb. Because the disciples arrive and they're stuck in this moment. We're told that Mary Magdalene arrives at the tomb with the other women and they all go running off, but she stays to look for just a moment and she goes running off to find Peter and John. And Peter and John come running to the tomb and they have a look inside and they see these grave clothes. And the word that's used in the Greek to describe how the grave clothes were lying there was that they were lying there in place, in the shape of a body and yet empty. It was like these grave clothes had become, which had the body been stolen, by the way, was the only worthwhile thing to steal in this tomb, but the, the grave clothes were there. It was like it had become a cocoon, 
And out of the grave clothes, out of the symbols of death, Jesus comes, living and well and active in his world. And so John goes in and sees and believes, but doesn't yet understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So she goes to get the blokes, and they're not really any help at all. They just go home. But Mary stays. And then a gardener comes and stands behind her. She thinks it's the gardener, but it's Jesus. And Jesus says to her, Woman, why, why are you crying? And she's still stuck in this moment. And she says, they've, they've taken my Lord away. If you know where he is, tell me and I'll, I'll go get him. So Jesus tries again. Why are you crying? And this time he adds the words, who are you looking for? And she's still stuck in this moment. And eventually he says to her, one word. Two syllables in English, one in Greek. It's her name, Mary. And suddenly, that which has been stolen from her, his back, that voice, that presence, that, that person, and she spins around and says, Rabbi, which is teacher. So none of this nonsense about Mary being married to Jesus. I mean, she's already called him Lord, and now she calls him a, a, a rabbi. And there's this moment of life, this moment of, uh, of joy, but there's a moment here I just want us to dwell on for just one moment. As she stood there, embracing him, talking to him, Jesus says these words to her. Do not cling on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And something struck me this year, I don't know if it's ever struck you about the story, but there's something strange going on. Of course, she's going to want to hold Jesus. She's going to want to hug him. She's going to want to embrace him in this moment. And the, one of the first things he says is, do not cling on to me. That seems like a, a strange response, doesn't it? It seems like a little bit harsh, if we were honest, in, in this moment. It's like the most natural thing in the world. You've, you've left once through the most horrible means. I want to hold you. I want to keep you safe. But Jesus says, don't cling on to me. It's even more confusing because later in this chapter, uh, Jesus meets with another group of disciples. And among them is a guy called Thomas. And Thomas has already had questions about this story that the other disciples have been raving about. Thomas says, that's great for you, but you've had an experience that I haven't had. You've seen something that I've not seen. So unless I put my finger in the nail holes, unless I put my hand into the side... I can't believe it. I, I, I won't believe it. So you, you've been somewhere that I haven't, and I can't just pretend. I, I, I'm not going to play along. I, I can't do it. And again, the, the patience of Jesus. Not to leave Thomas in that place, but to come. And then he stands among them. He says, peace be with you. Shalom. And then he turns to Thomas and says, Thomas, Come and see. Come and touch. Put your finger in the nail holes. Put your hand in my side. Quotes him word for word, actually. <laughs> come, and, come and see. And Thomas just says, my Lord and my God. So Thomas could touch Jesus, but Mary is told, don't hold on to me. Have you ever noticed that before? I'd, I've, I've been thinking about that. Why... Why Thomas and not Mary? Now, one of the things I want to 
kind of knock out of the park straight away, some of the things that we might, that we might think of. Uh, the first is that this is not about uh, a gender thing at all. Uh, if Jesus wanted to make a point here, he, he could have waited to appear to the first disciples for, for the blokes to be around, for the men. But he deliberately waits until it's just the women there. And it's one of those little facts of the Easter story that has kind of tumbled down the centuries because women back in Jesus' day were unfortunately not allowed to appear in court as reliable witnesses. And so if you wanted to invent a story of people that had met with Jesus, you would not have included the women. It would not have added that sort of credibility, that historicity to it. But it's recorded in every one of the Gospels because that's how it happened. It's not at all about a male or, or female thing. Nor is it about a, a kind of a faith status thing. I mean, when Jesus appeared to Thomas, he, he's hardly the ideal disciple at this point, right? He's, he's the one who's doubting, saying, I'm not, I'm not part of that. I'm not one of you yet. So it's not gender. It, it, it's not faith. So, so what is it? There's another moment when the women are running back to the disciples to tell them the news that Jesus is alive. And there we read this. And so as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, greetings. Don't you just love that? Hello. It's like Jesus wasn't shocked. It's like he knew. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. So they could hold his feet. Thomas could touch the nail-pierced hands and the side, but Mary was told not to. So my question this morning is, is why? Why is that? And there's a hint here in the passage. Jesus says, do not cling on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And he goes on to say, you've got to go and tell the brothers which incidentally is the first time Jesus uses this direct language. Because of the cross and resurrection, everything changes. Now we're, we're brothers and sisters of Jesus. My Father and your Father. My God and your God. So they go back. And Jesus says, I've not yet ascended. Mary, you're here in this moment. And you've met with me in resurrection power. But I have not yet ascended. I've not yet finished. Mary, there is more. There's more to see. It's interesting to me that sometimes this can happen in, in the Christian life, that there can be quite a major moment that happens in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can kind of get stuck in that moment. We can sort of, like Jesus says here, cling to that moment. And what started as a major move of God's power and spirit can become a bit of a monument. It's fascinating to me that the people from all over the world will still take pilgrimages to where miracles had happened, hoping to have their own miracle there. As if it was something about that place that was special or, or, or that time. When the miracle provider, the miracle worker, is not the atmosphere or the environment or the location, it's God himself. And sometimes we do this in our lives, don't we? We, we hold on to things. I remember a number of years ago, we were doing a, a street project together. And it was simply called, I'd Like to Believe, But... And we had a big banner up with it on, and we were asking people how they would finish that sentence. And we got to talk to all kinds of interesting people. Got to speak to a lot of people who don't have faith, who would like to believe. 
got to speak to some people who don't have faith and would not like to believe. And we even got to speak to some people who said, well, I do believe, but I still have questions. And it was a really interesting day. And there was one guy that came up to us and said, listen, I'd, I'd love to believe because I can't deny it seems to make you guys buzz and seems to make you guys happy. But I, I can't believe in this big guy in the sky with a big white beard, you know, listening to harp music all day, being fed grapes by angels, you know, lying on a cloud. I just can't believe that. And it took me a second to get over what he just said, to say, you do know that I don't believe in that either. But at some point along the way, he'd come to hold on to a God that I don't think exists, a God that is not described in the scriptures. And I simply want to ask us today, as Jesus meets us on resurrection morning, is there something that we are holding on to? The word cling that is used there in the Greek means to fasten yourself onto something, to attach yourself uh, onto the moment. And maybe for some of us here today, there's a sense in which something has happened in our lives. Uh, There's been a major moment of of breakthrough or understanding uh, or, or healing. And ever since then, it's never quite felt the same as that. And we're a bit stuck. I don't know how I can feel like that again. Maybe you've even done the thing of of going back to that place, or going back to that book, or going back to that song, and and, and you've revisited it again, and and somehow it's different. Somehow it's not the same. I wonder if Jesus wants to say to us today, what, what are you holding on to? He says, Mary, I've not yet ascended. There is more. There's more to come. It's described this way in Ephesians 1. Uh, Richard alluded earlier to the power of the resurrection being available to us in the power of the Spirit. We live resurrection lives. And at one point, Paul's describing that power to the church in Ephesus. He says, that power is the same as that, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Can you grasp something of Paul's vision here of who Jesus is? He was raised from the dead, Paul said, and seated in heavenly places, far above any other name that is invoked, both now and in the age to come. Paul wants us to get this, that when we stop and pray and we pour out our hearts before God, you know, those prayers that we pray, those things that we long for and ache for before God, we're asking the one who is seated in this place. So often we we hold on to places we've been, to the way in which Jesus has spoken or touched or blessed us in the past. And maybe today Jesus just wants to say, There's more. There's more. There's more to see. There's more to experience. There's more to encounter. There's more to know. I've started to quote a famous game show. So I'll finish. And if you're feeling stuck today, maybe that's a word for you. That what God has begun in you 
despite how it feels at times, despite how differently it feels from that and that and that, he will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As we were uh, worshipping together this morning, I was reminded of a, a passage in the Old Testament where um, the Lord is actually talking about theft and robbery within, within the people of God. Uh, and the Lord declares that if uh, something is stolen from you, the thief has to pay back four or five times what is owed. And I wonder if this is part of what's happening here in this moment. Mary, something's been robbed from you. Something's been taken from you. And you're not just going to get that back. You're not just going to get me back. You're going to get more. I'm ascending to the Father. And I just feel like this morning that God is here and he wants to say to people who feel like they've lost something, you're going to get it back and more. And I don't know who this is for and I don't know what it's about, but this is why you had to be here this morning. You're going to get it back and more. Because that's who Jesus is. That's what today is about. And we can cling to places and to people and to points in our story. Or we can come to the Jesus who is ascended far above all other authority and power and name and meet with him today. As I was preparing for the first service this morning, if you're confused by what's going on up here, just ask somebody who's been here for confidence. Too much to explain now. But as I was preparing for it this morning, I was reminded of a song uh, that we haven't actually sung for a long, long time. Uh, some of you will know it, and I'm a bit nervous because as I start to quote it, you'll want to sing it. So please, I mean, you can do if you want to. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Brian, I knew you'd know it. I knew you'd know it. <laughs> He's the only one who cares and understands. Somewhere, standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him, and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. And that's Jesus. Even in the darkness, even in the place of grief and loss and fear, Mary. Maybe Jesus just wants to call you by name today. Let's pray together.